Thank you, Pastor Chiming. Good afternoon to you. I hope you are not just alive, but also awake. And it's wonderful to be at this younger and alive service. Thank you, Jessica and the team, for leading us in worship this morning. story was told of a, 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 a young man uh, studying, and he was about to come back from his uh, uh, come back home to Singapore. So he wrote to his uh, uh, brother uh, coming back from his exams and uh, wrote four simple words, fill exams, prepare father. So he told, he flung his exams for whatever reason, maybe too much of games, too much of soccer last night, and he wasn't studying, he was playing, he was fooling around. And so he, he, he thought maybe, maybe he would use his younger brother and uh, uh, be an early messenger for him. And so he sent forward, fill exams, prepare father. And uh, the brother was very kind, and the, the brother, of course, relayed the message to uh, the father, and the brother too was very kind. The brother, I'm standing up so that I can see everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and so the brother was very kind, sent four words of message also to the brother and says, Father, prepared, prepare yourself. <laughs> this afternoon, as we come to the house of the Lord, I want us to know as God's people, the Father, our God, our Heavenly Father, is always prepared to speak to us. Our Father is always prepared to bless us. And as Jessica and the team and led us in this wonderful time of worship this morning, He's always there. He's always there with us. He's always there for us. The only question He has for us is, are you with God? Are you prepared to receive what the Lord has for us? So if you're ready, prepared, I'm going to ask uh, our hearts to be open to the Lord uh, this uh, afternoon. And Pastor Chiming has already prayed for us. So that's what we came to do. I told Pastor Kokfai, there's a danger you invite me as your camp speaker to come and speak today so that the people can hear me and then see whether they like me before they come to camp. I say, after this, uh, people may not sign up for the church camp. Uh, and so I'm going to invite you right now to just open your hearts to God as we prepare our hearts uh, this afternoon to hear what the Lord has for us. I want to begin with a message that, uh, and, and I've entitled this afternoon's message with 24-7 Christian. How many of us know that God has called us to be a 24-7 Christian? Not to be a Sunday Christian only, but to be a 24-7 Christian. We could be in school. Some of us could be in an army camp or in a police camp. Uh, I've been there before, so I know. Don't worry. Uh, and uh, why well, you look so strange? Like, I've never gone through army. Hello. <laughs> and uh, so we've, we could be in school. We could even be working today. All right? Some of us are already working. Huh? Uh, but whatever season of our life, some of us are parents, some of you may be grandparents, but there is no such a thing called, you uh, know, uh, um, uh, our, our call to Christianity and uh, discipleship is not a, a weekly thing where we come to church on Sunday. I want to begin with a message that uh, Billy Graham began. He was uh, sharing what a young student was writing to his girlfriend. I won't ask how many of you are reattached. The rest of you are detached. Huh? Uh, but, but this uh, uh, Billy Graham began with a letter that was written by a man writing to his girlfriend why he has to break off the relationship. And this, of course, was at the height of communism. And this guy was a communist. And he wrote this. He says this, We communists, we have a high casualty rate. We live in virtual poverty and we turn back every penny we have uh, we made a, uh, to keep us alive. And uh, we communists don't have the time or the money for movies, except if you're coming for the, the men's movie, it's okay, uh, ultimate gift. 
And he says, we don't have time for concerts. We don't have time for T-bone sticks or sirloin sticks or decent homes or new cars. I'm in dead earnest. I'm, uh, I'm a serious guy, you know. It's my life, my business. And of course, he's referring to it as his communism. Communism is my life, my business, my religion, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my bread and my meat. Wow, he's really hungry. I work at it in the daytime and dream about it at night. It holds on me, grows, not lessen as time goes by. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I've already been jailed because of my ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. Here was a misguided young man. Here was a misguided communist who gave his life to something that will not last for eternity. But this afternoon, God is calling us as His people, as Christians, as disciples, to recognize discipleship is never about a weekly event. When we come to church on Sunday, mark attendance, or we've been to the 11.15 service, provided you came 11.15. Uh. If you came before, if you came at 11.10, you are only puncture. If you come at 11.05, you're early. If you come at 11.15, you are late. But discipleship is essentially a day-to-day walk with Jesus from Monday to Sunday. And so we don't just come to church on Sunday and then we put on the heavenly clothes angel cloak and then we behave like Christians. No. Discipleship is a daily journey with God. Some of us think about consecration. We think that uh, being a 24-7 Christian is about coming to church once a week. It's about doing our daily devotion even if we are using the land devotion for the next 40 days. We think that 24-7 Christian is about keeping the Ten Commandments. It's about sharing our faith with our friends. It's about giving God our tidings or offering. It's about volunteering for a ministry like worship, la, ushering, and then, hey, then I'm doing something for God. It's not even leading a small group. It's not even raising your hands in worship. Some of us, our hands so heavy. Uh, wow, cannot even raise. <laughs> so tired. Uh. Uh, or it's not even going on a mission trip. It's even more than just a behavioral change or modification. It's more than conformity to a moral code. It's more than doing good deeds. And what is consecration about? It's all about dethroning ourselves and enthroning Jesus as King of our lives. And I like what uh, Mark Peterson says, that consecration is all about dethroning yourself and enthroning Christ as King. It's like the prayer of John the Baptist who says, Christ must what? Increase and I must decrease. And one of the most fascinating Bible characters that we can learn about consecration is from the Old Testament, from the life of Noah. And so if you have a Bible or smart, smartphone or iPad, please turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter... Genesis chapter 6, of course, verses 5 to 13. I encourage us to bring the Bible with us, uh, even your smartphone or iPad so that we are reminded constantly when you pull out your Bible from your house to the church that that's what you came to church for. You came not just to listen to a man, whether it's Pastor Kok Fai or Pastor Chi Ming or any guest speaker. You came to church essentially to listen to what God has to say in the light of His Word. And that's what we're here for this afternoon. And so we shall be looking at Genesis 6 verse 5 to verse 13. 
and as is my habit, I love for us to stand if you're able, you're not pregnant, your legs are not wobbly and you're not uh, fractured. I love for you to stand together as we read God's Word together, shall we? And because we all carry different Bible versions, I like for us to read God's Word together from the same uh, version. So I have uh, the Bible for us on the screen. Okay? Uh, so let's read God's Word together. Genesis 6 verse 5. And let's read as if there are 10,000 people here in this sanctuary. Alright? Let's read with all our lungs and all our hearts and voices. Genesis 6 verse 5 and 13. Let's hear the people of God read God's Word together. One, two, three. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great enough and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and He grieved him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will plot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, Blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Here is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. I want to submit to you this morning, this afternoon, there are three lessons we can learn about what it means to be a 24-7 Christian. Living a life that is consecrated to God. Not a Sunday Christian only, but everyday Christian life everyday disciple of Jesus. The first is that consecration, a life consecrated to God is firstly rooted and anchored in a calling that is what? Directed by the work of God. A calling that is directed by the work of God. Now, what do I mean by this? First of all, I want to say that the story of Noah's Ark and the Flood is not a fairy tale story where parents and grandparents try to read this story to their children and grandchildren just to make them fall asleep. It is a real story. In fact, Noah, Ark, and the Flood is a story of God's work in the life of His people in the days of Noah. And the first thing that should capture our heart is that God announced judgment upon His people. We see that in verse 7. God says, I will plot out, I will remove, I will destroy, I will demolish everything I've created from the face of this earth from human beings to animals and every creeping things. And God says, I'm sorry that I've made them. Question is, why did God pronounce such a judgment? And it was explained to us in the subsequent verse that there's one word why God pronounces judgment. And the one word is what? Sin. Sin has come upon humanity. This is the same word that is tagged in your luggage whenever you come home to Singapore or when you leave Singapore, it's called what? Sin. And so we carry a bag of sin with us all the time. I think it's a good picture. It's a humbling reminder for us as Singaporeans. 
lest we think, oh, we got it all, we have arrived. We are literally carrying a bag of sin wherever we go. Because that's who we are. And God says, because of sin upon your life, I will judge and punish you. The word sin, it's all about I, me, and myself. Right? Huh? The earlier picture I, I, I showed you earlier, which I didn't quite show you. You know, our discipleship today is all about me, I, and self. The three most important persons in your life, they are I, me, myself. And sometimes we're not careful, Christianity is all about me. We are the center of everything. Even when we come to know Jesus Christ, we think we are still center, right? The self is still there, others are around me, second perhaps. And then where is God in our life? Somewhere outside of our lives. But that, and that's what happened when the I and the me and self Real is ugly hate in our life. It results in what? The Bible tells us it results in sin. What is the center alphabet for the word sin? Look at the screen. Tell me. Only two of you are awake. The rest of you are sleeping, is it? <laughs> what is the center alphabet for the word sin? Say it out loud to me. Very good. At least you are talking about yourself, not me. Eh? I. Tell me, what is the center alphabet for the word pride? I'm so glad you can pronounce and spell. <laughs> Pride, right? What is the center alphabet for the most beautiful angel that God ever created in the face of this earth? His name was called Lucifer, if you can spell his name. What is the center alphabet of his name? Hello? Why so soft? I, say with me, I. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's you. <laughs> it's you. And that's what happened when the I... The me and myself real his ugly head and say, I want to be king. I want to be Lord. I want to be master of my relationship. I don't care what the church say. I don't care what the Bible say. Whoever I like, even the same sex, I also don't mind. And that's what happens. Sin real is ugly head. And it results in nothing else but sin, pride and what? We become like little Lucifer on the face of this earth in Singapore. And God says, it is not good. And because of that, God says, I will pronounce judgment on the people. Notice how sinful we are. And this is how God described the people in the days of Noah. The wickedness of man was what? Great. Every thought of the heart was only evil continually. There's three English words you can underline in your Bible. And because it's your own Bible, you can dirty it. And the three English words I want to highlight which is found in Hebrew, is the word every, only, and continually. Every single thought that you can ever think in your heart and mind, the Bible says it is only what? Clean, pure? No, it's only what? Dirty, dark, and evil, and bad. And it's not only, it's not just every, it's continually. No wonder Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things else. Who can understand it? Even your parents cannot understand why you behave like this. No need to understand. Try to stand under good enough. The Bible says the heart of man, every single thought, every idea we have is dirty, is dark, is sinful. Why? Because of the total depravity of sin. Don't miss this. I don't care how good you look outside. I don't care how well you score in your grades and studies. I don't care how muscular or strong you are. I don't care how fast you run. The Bible says we are all on the same page. Bottom line, common denominator, 
there is total depravity of sin in our lives. Regardless of what school you went to, regardless of what school you aspire to go to, the Bible says all of us are sinful, evil, and wicked. Wow! Very solemn, sacred message. But it's not just total depravity, depravity of sin. The Bible also tells us of immorality in the camp. The Bible says here in verse Genesis 6 verse 12, Now the earth was what? Corrupt in God's sight. And God saw the earth and behold, it was what? Corrupt. For all flesh has corrupted their way on the earth. So we shouldn't be surprised in all the things we read about in newspaper. All the things we read about on the TV, the things we see on TV screen, that's how depra- that's, a, the, that's a picture of the total depravity of sin. It's so immoral. And not just immoral, the Bible also tells us of the veracity in the land. Verse 11 tells us, And the earth was filled with what? Violence. There are sons and daughters killing their parents. There are men and women killing one another. And there was complete violence. By the way, you don't have to look too far. We just have to look at what's happening in our shores in Singapore. And that's not what happened many years ago. This, that's what happened this coming week, this week past. We read of stories of uh, five teenage boys. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, no, 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 not this five. Five teenage boys who were caught stealing motor bicycles in Singapore. Like, I've been in Singapore for quite a number of years. I've uh, grown up here in Singapore. I've never read these kind of stories. But now... Boys are becoming more brave, more courageous. They watch the courageous movies. So, oh, okay, courageous. So they're going to do this kind of thing. And that's what happened. Teacher who is jailed for six months. For what? Committing indecent acts on a 13-year-old boy. Never heard before. But it's happening now. Surprise? No, lah, don't be surprised. It happens in the days of Noah. Uh, ex-protocol chief who was caught uh, cheating. Uh, then you know what to do with your pineapple tarts. Eh? And then a biotechnologist jailed for four months for molesting a teenage girl in an MRT train. All this has happened this week. And mind you, every week there's something. That, there's always a picture and expression of what? The total depravity of sin. So don't fall asleep. Wake up. Because God is speaking about you and I, the condition of our hearts and our lives. And as a result of that, God says this in verse 6, And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth. And He grieved God to His what? Heart. And He says, For I'm sorry that I've made them. Now, that's what I'm sorry means God didn't expect us to sin against Him. So after He made Allah, I didn't expect you to rebel against me or to be disobedient. The idea of I'm sorry is a Hebrew idiomatic expression of what? God's grief and sorrow over something. Alright? It's like a picture of a parent. Huh? Many of us got parents, huh? including myself. And sometimes, you know, children don't always listen. Huh? Except those kids from Pasir Panjang, they are very obedient kids. Huh? You know? But kids from other churches, not the quite, di- quite different. What well, the kids say, oh, they're quite quiet. I said, don't fall asleep or they all wake up. You know? well, they're very obedient. But sometimes, children rebel, right? Huh? When the parents say to turn right, they turn left. When the parents say one, they say three, not two. Uh. And sometimes the parents, oh, cake seem, uh, heartache. Uh. Huh? 
pour away, uh, vomit blood. As you do this, you go and do something. Uh, you, all, you, all, you all don't experience this. Uh. Oh, very good, you from this church. <laughs> all right? Right? All the teenage children, all oh, very quiet. It's like the story of this boy, huh? When he finally had a girlfriend, brought the girlfriend to the mother, and the mother said, Ah, Lama, this boy, uh, of all my seven children, this boy, uh, your boyfriend, uh, uh, who's my son that, you, that, that he bring home, he's the one uh, I came the most out of the seven kids. And by the way, this boy is me. Uh. <laughs> and that's the first thing my mother said to my girlfriend who became my wife later on. Say, well, of all the seven kids, uh, this boy I came the most. I say to my mother, this is the power of God in my life. <laughs> God got to work very hard on me. <laughs> very hard to believe. Uh, so cute boy, how to, be, how to be rebellious and disobedient. But that was me, my mother say. I have to believe what my mother say. Uh. <laughs> but it's a picture of how God saved us, how God rescued us. And therefore, in the light of the state of the heart of men, God says in verse 13, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. I reset my mind. It's done, deal, it's fixed. Don't do anything. You can't change my mind. I decided I will end all people. I will punish humanity because of the heart of men. And he, how, how is God going to do this? In verse 17, God says, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Now, so far, all I've given to you is just bad news. Today, I come as the bearer of bad news. But I don't need to leave with the bad news, but here comes the good news. The good news, the Bible suddenly says, in the heart of man where is totally depraved, God comes and gave good news and says, but Noah found favour with God. And my friends, we can only truly appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ by first appreciating the bad news first before we enjoy the good news. The bad news is that all of us are doomed. We don't have purpose and meaning in life until Jesus Christ comes to life. Even you found a boyfriend, he's not your saviour. Huh? It reminds me of a story when a girl tests a boy. Why is it our English language is A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Well, the boy scratched his head and he brought her to the house to introduce her to the parents. And the boy, very smart. I know why our English language is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It simply means a boy can do everything for a girl. Oh, A, B, C, D. Oh, very smart, man. Then after that, the girl asked, then how come the English language continues H, I, J, K? Oh, the boy trying to scratch his brain. And then meanwhile, while he was trying to do it, he, his father passed by the living room. And the father heard what the boy said to his girlfriend. You know why English language A, B, C, D, F, G? Because a boy can do everything for a girl. Wow, good lah. Very impressive. Smart Alec. <laughs> then the son couldn't find the answer for H-I-J-K. The father said, I know, I know. H-I-J-K stands for he is just kidding. My friends, even you find the love of your life and the boy said, I can do anything for you. I can do everything for you. He's still just kidding because the English language never, ne- ne- never bluff us. Isn't it true? But God's good news is not like that. He will, he, he's not kidding with us when He says, I can do anything for you. I can even save you from your sin. I can rescue you from heading towards a Christless eternity. And what's the good news? The Bible says, Noah, in the midst of all this darkness, he found favour with God. What's the meaning of the word favour? In the Hebrew, the word favour simply means unmerited grace. Undeserved mercy and the goodwill of the Father. 
And while you and I deserve punishment and eternal death, separation from God in the pits of fire, in the lake of hell, God says, I have grace and mercy upon you. In other words, the favour of God is what God can do, will do for you what we cannot do for ourselves. We can never save ourselves. But God in His grace and mercy came and says, I can come and save you, whatever your name is today. He says, I love you so much. I brought you to this church. And on this day, 23rd February 2014, I'm saying to you again, God says, I loved you. Even if no one says they loved you. I don't need to say in words, I show it in action by dying on the cross for your sins. And that's how much God loves us. And that's why God said to Noah, but I will establish my covenant with you. Verse 18. The word covenant in a Hebrew text simply means bereft, which means it is a promise of hope and future for us. Some of us came this afternoon to this service wondering, is there a hope and a future for my life? Look at all my grades in my studies. They're all full of colors. <laughs> when I was young, I used to be a very outstanding student in class. I always stand outside the class. And that's how, that's how I became an outstanding student in a class. But you know, God says, I, will, I, I have a promise of hope and future. Some of you, you, you are done with studies. You are in the army camp, police camp. Some of you are restarted working. And you ask yourself, is there ever going to be a hope and a future for my life? Some of you are already in relationships. Some of you are already married. I'm sorry, you cannot get out of it. There are only two kinds of people. Those who are dying to get to married and those who are dying to get out of marriage. <laughs> so two camps of people here. And the good news that Jesus has for us today is that God is going to give us a hope and a future in our lives. In the midst of the bad news, don't miss out the good news, my friends. And the Bible tells us Noah's story is not just a story of his judgment over us. The story of Noah is a story of what? Redemption. A story of a second chance, of a second hope, a second future, if you like. Because in the midst of God's destructive judgment, God says He will save those who trust in Him, even if there are only eight people who will believe in Him. How do I know there are eight people? The Bible tells me so in Genesis 6 verse 18. And God says, you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. So Noah had three sons, and three sons were all married. There's six plus two, eight. You can count. Uh. Jessica is trying to count. <laughs> Alright? So eight of them. I want to remind us, being a 24-7 Christian is anchored upon the calling of God that is directed by the work of God. You know, it's being a Christian, it's not about doing, doing, doing. What must I do uh, every day as a Christian? Oh, I must read Bible. Oh, I must pray, get on my knees, must, must, must share gospel, must go mission trip, must give offering, uh, must behave, uh, must do this, do that. No, no, no. Christianity is not about doing this and that. It's not we behave like Nike Christian. Uh. What's Nike Christian? Moto. Nike Moto is what? Just do it. Uh. Huh? Whatever you hear, just do, 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 do. do. Why, why, why do I do what I do? But Christianity essentially is anchored upon not just doing, but it's done. It's done for us at the cross of Calvary because there's nothing we can do to wash away the dirt on a white shirt. God alone can come and rescue us and with the blood, the cleansing blood of Christ, He washes every dirt away from our white shirt and makes us clean forever. 
In other words, you and I today can be recipient and a receiver of God's grace. It, it cannot be earned. It is not deserved. But God lavished freely and fully the grace of God upon our lives so that we are God's people. We are His children. At this point in time, I want you to know that so far in Genesis chapter 6, even as you read to Genesis 8, everything is all about the work of God. God is the only one working. He's the only one chokong. He's the only one chokang. The rest all sleeping. Only God is the one working. God is the one doing the speaking. In fact, in Genesis 6 to 8, you find that Noah has never said a single word. God is the one been speaking. God is the one doing the acting. God is the one doing the judging. God is the one doing the destroying. God is the one doing even the calling and the saving. Everything is all about God's grace in a person's life. I, I'm reminded of a story of uh, two young men uh, in my church recently. His name is John and Clive. John was working in a, John was in a national service. And John was just living his life as a 24-7 Christian, having his life consecrated to God. And he knows he's a Christian not because he's goody-goody. No, no. He's a Christian because the grace of God came upon his life. And in the army camp, there was a colleague by the name of Clive. And Clive began to know John in working together in the army camp for about six months. And uh, Clive noticed something about John. Hey, John is a very cool guy. I mean, he's not very impressive. He doesn't look like Jackie Chan like me, you know. You mean I don't look like Jackie Chan? Right? Yeah! <laughs> but, 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 but Clive recognized, well, John is not very impressive on the outside. He doesn't look like any celebrity actor, but, but he rather, there's something about John. You know, when John is uh, uh, treated un, uh, unfairly, maybe by his colleagues, by some officer, very unreasonable, what happened? John is very cool about it. John responds very graciously. And to cut a long story short, Clive noticed there's something about John that's in him. He said, hey, I want whatever you have inside. In short, he discovered that John was a Christian. And so Clive went to John and said, can you tell me more about this Jesus in your life? And what did John do? John basically told him, shared the gospel, eventually led Clive to Jesus Christ. But the story didn't end there. God began to change Clive's life, who now became a new Christian. And Clive began to share with his mother, who's a single parent in his life, and told mom what happened to him. Mom began to see the change in her own son. You know, the person that you, you and I cannot bluff uh, is our own parents. Because they give birth to us, they know what kind of chao kwan we are, they know what kind of good boy or girl we are not, and so on. But the mother saw the change in Clive's life. And the moment came one day when Clive decided to bring the mother to our Christmas outreach last December. And the mother came. And the mother heard the gospel in the midst of the concert and so on and so forth. And cut long story short, the mother, when the altar call was given, the mother came forward to give her life to Jesus because she saw the work of God in her own son's life. And Clive saw the work of God in John's life. And that's why John, and that's why Clive became a Christian. And so they were all caught as Christians and disciples. The first thing I want to remind us is that to be a 24-7 Christian, consecration is firstly rooted and anchored upon what? Our calling that is directed by the work of God. It's God's work in our life. None of us can engineer the work. But the second thing is that consecration is anchored and rooted in our character that is defined by our walk with God. Character. 
question for us this afternoon. How do you define character? Is character seen by what is on the outside and outward? Somebody once said that character is, you don't just talk lah. You don't just say. Say is easy. Talk is cheap. True character is when I see you lift out your life. True character is when you walk your talk and not just talk about your walk. Right? Last uh, December, I did something uh, I'd never done before in my life because I turned 50 years old. I know very hard for you to believe, but I'm 50 already last year. Kana, okay, I'll give coffee afterwards. <laughs> But I just turned 50 last year, and so a, a church member said, Pastor, if you just turned uh, 50, you must go for a test for all men. It's called colonoscopy. I mean, you put a scope and check your cologne to make sure you are clean and that there's no cancer and so on and so forth. So I obediently, I obediently believed and, and followed. And so the appointment was made. I went to see the doctor, did a day surgery. And after half a day, I went to the doctor's clinic. And the, I don't even know the doctor from Adam. It was arranged, and so I went to see this doctor. I don't even know whether it's a Christian, backsliding Christian, or non-Christian. But the first word the doctor says, it's nice to know in the days that we live in in Singapore that pastors are not just clean on the outside. I got good news for you. You are clean also on the inside. <laughs> e! Okay, that's not, that's not your lunch afterwards. Huh? <laughs> but uh, so I purposely showed you because, wow, I never see my cologne from the inside like that. It's so clean. But I thought, hey, what a powerful picture and definition of what true character is. It's not just what is on the outside. I better move on before you think that's lunch. <laughs> but true character is when you are not just clean on the outside, but when you are clean also on the what? Inside. And there are three inside expressions of that character in Noah I want to uh, uh, highlight for us this morning in the light of God's Word. The first, the Bible tells us in verse 9, Noah was a righteous man. Now, how do you become a righteous man? Is it be, by, by becoming right or by sitting on the right side that makes you righteous? No. The Bible tells us the definition of righteous is that, is that a righteous man is not someone who is perfect or sinless. In fact, the Bible's definition of righteousness is that you believe in God. How do I know that? The Bible tells me in Genesis 15, 6, and because he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. Those of us who believe in God today, the Bible says you are already righteous. And therefore, when the devil says, hey, you are dirty, you are unclean and you are sinful, we can say to the devil, yeah, it's true. God already knows. And not only that, God cleans me. God has sacrificed for my sin. And when God looks at us, He looks at Christ who died for us. Hebrews 11 verse 7 tells us this, that by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events, has yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And because by faith we trust in God, God says, you believe in me, therefore I reckon to you righteousness. The second thing about Noah's character, he was not just righteous. The Bible tells us Noah was what? Blameless in his generation. What does the word blameless mean? In the Hebrew text, it simply means that Noah was just and upright in the dealings with people. Whatever you do right now in Singapore, whatever vocation you are in, are you just and upright in your dealings with people? If you're a school teacher today, do you only look out for the bright and brilliant student? 
And then you neglect all those students that are not so good. That's not being very blameless and just and upright. Alright? So just as a simple example. And here we see Noah very, uh, the Bible tells us he was just and upright in his dealings. But the third thing about Noah's character, the Bible tells us, is that he walked with God. He hankaya with God. He kyakya with God. Huh? He walked with God. The Hebrew word for the word walk is what? Follow. There are only two men in the Bible who God described them as people who walked with God, who followed God. The first was Enoch in Genesis 5. The second man was who? Noah. How do you want, how would you like God to say, hey, this man or this woman walk with me? And that's what a 24-7 Christian does. He's not just blameless and righteous, but he's also a disciple, a Christian who what? Walks with God. The idea of walking, following is a picture of intimacy. When God saved us, He desired for us, not just, He didn't just give us a passport to go to heaven. But He says, I want you to pursue intimacy with me because I want you more than you ever want me. And those of you who are married, it's, it's the same intimacy you desire with your spouse. You know, after a while, you, you look at your spouse, hey, who are you? <laughs> and you'll be sitting, you may be eating from the same table, sitting on the same sofa in the living room, even sleeping on the same bed, but you don't know your partner. Then it's time you do something with your marriage uh, relationship. The same with God. God desires intimacy with us. Three things we can apply in the light of the character. Do we believe in God? Some of you, God may be speaking to you about believing Him for something. And you, 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 you can believe in God, not just in the big things like World War IV or World Peace. No, no. You can also believe and trust God for the small little things in your life. Like, Lord, give me, help me in my exams. Lord, help me uh, in, in, my, in my NS training and so on. You know, for me, one of the things I learned to do uh, in my days, both younger days and even now in my older days, I, I, I pray all over everything. Like, I pray for a car park lot. I mean, the Bible never says you cannot pray for a car park lot. I don't know about you, I'm a Christian who believes in God. And so, especially when I have a very tight schedule and I, I go visit somebody in the hospital, and some hospital is impossible to find a car park lot, like Maui in Orchard Road. But I'll pray, Lord, you know, I'm seeing this person, I only got this short window of time, Lord, help me find a car park lot, and I don't give money to value parking. Why you give money to value parking for I can park myself? And you know, it's amazing, each time I go there, a car just come out and, wow, sweet, sweet, the car park lot is for it. Sometimes the car park, wow, right in front of the entrance, I'm all, so that I don't want to walk and run. You know, God choose to delight in us when we choose to delight in Him by believing and trusting in Him. Pray. Pray for anything, for your school, for your result, for the, for the course you want to take. Even pray for your life partner. Say, pray for a godly man who is not like Jackie Chan pastor, you know. Pray for anything, anything in your life. Pray. Believe in God and God will answer. And the Bible says when you believe in God, it is given to you what has what? Righteousness. Some of you are believing God for the salvation of your loved ones. It could be your parents. It could be your uncle and auntie who has yet to know Jesus Christ. Some of you could even have siblings who do not know Christ. And you would say, Lord, this year, 2014, I want to believe you that my, my loved ones, my family members will come to know Jesus Christ. And because you believe, God will hear and answer your prayer. 
I believe the second aspect of our character that we once we, we need to develop is how we are blameless in our times. And that is to shine righteously for God, to shine radiantly. That's why this church is located in a hill. Pasir Panjang Hill, Brethren Church is on a hill so that in times of darkness in our society, this church, you who are members of this church, could shine and be blameless in the times we live in. You are the only church on a hill, no? that I know in Singapore, literally even with the word heal in the name of your church. I don't know any other church in Singapore who has the word heal. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Chi Ming. Bukit Panjang heal, but that one is, that one heal, that one valley. <laughs> that one, you are the only church in the hill, literally up in the hill. And I know there's a reason, because God desire for you as a people of God and this church to arise and shine in such a way that you are blameless, righteous in your work, in your studies and dealing. Finally, I believe it is God delights for us to pursue intimacy with Him, for us in our character to continue to walk with Him. Question, how do we walk with God? We walk with God in light of His Word. This is God's love letter to us. This is not a Chinese New Year love letter that you add. Lah. Huh? The round, round thing, the long, long love letter. This is, this is the, the Bible is literally God's love letter for us. He tells us how much He loves us from this Bible. The second way we develop our intimacy with God is when we pray. We talk with Him. It's the same way you talk to your friends and that's how you build your friendship with God, with one another. And as you talk, as you walk with your friend, you build intimacy with your friends. I believe the other way to build that intimacy with God is when we are in a community. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. You come to this church, but you are a lone ranger. You say, I don't need God. I don't need anyone. I just need God in my life. But no, you need one another. You cannot say you are walking in the light and yet not have fellowship with one another. John has very strong words. He says, you are a liar. You say you are walking in the light, but you have no fellowship with one another. You are a liar. First John 1, verse 6 tells me that. All right? Story was told of uh, Wallace Johnson. He was, at a, he was working, he was at the peak of his career, but at the age of 40, he was fired of his job by his boss in a very unreasonable way. And Wallace Johnson himself was a devoted, dynamic Christian. And he said, God, why would this happen to me? Why didn't this happen to someone else who is Jachua, you know, never do his job? But I, I'm a good Christian. So his wife asked you, okay, now that you are fired, you are retrenched, you don't have a job, what do you plan to do with your life? And Wallace, led by the Spirit, decided, okay, I will, we, we will mortgage and sell our house, and with the money that we have, we will go into property business. And that's what he did. Within five years of his new career, Wallace Johnson became a multi-millionaire. And this is what he said after he became a millionaire. He says, Today, if I could locate the man who fired me, I could sincerely thank him for what he did. At the time it happened, I didn't understand why I was fired. Later, I saw that it was God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the ways of His choosing. God was building His character even though He was fired. God was seeing whether He was righteous, blameless, and walking with God even though He was fired. And He did walk with God even through those very dark times. And you know what? God bless this man. Wallace Johnson, who said the greatest thing ever happened to him was to be fired. Eventually, he became the founder of Holiday Inn 
chain of hotel. Those of you who went holiday, you stayed in Holiday Inn before, right? This is the man who started and founded Holiday Inn Hotel in different parts of the world. All because God was molding his character that was defined by his walk with God. Finally, a 24-7 Christian, a life considered to God is rooted and anchored finally by a commitment that is demonstrated by our work for God. Now, what do I mean by this? Look at the ark that Noah was asked to build. The Bible tells us the size of the ark was 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, which we don't understand what it means. It simply means it's about 1.5 football field size, that one we can imagine, right? And it's so big, the ark, the Bible says, it can take about 522 real stock, uh, railroad stock cars, or even about 1,000, uh, 125,000 animals. In short, Victoria, the Noah's Ark is bigger than an aeroplane, smaller than a Titanic ship. Does that help you? Say yes. <laughs> Just to give you some Victoria visual picture of how big or how small the Ark is. But that's not what interests me and tricked me. Listen to what the Bible tells us about the Ark. How long did it take Noah to build the Ark? Answer is 100 years old. 100 years old. How do I know? Genesis 5.32 tells us Noah was how old when he became father of three sons? 500 years. Well, that means there's hope and future for some of us. As long as you're below 500, you can still give birth. But during Noah's time, uh, at the age of 500, he became papa, no? Daddy of three sons. Well, that's hope, man. And then in Genesis 7.6, the Bible tells us Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. Meaning between 600 to 500, you minus. is how many? 100 years old. How long did it take Noah to build the ark and do the work for God? How many years? Hello, hello, are you, are, are you still with me now? How long? 100 years. I'm so glad you passed your meds. 100 years old. Now, if you were Noah, how do you feel asked by God to do some work uh, called building an ark? Building an ark where you have never seen before. Now, nobody has ever seen an ark in Noah's days where you are told to build an ark and you're never told for what. hundred years later, then they tell you, then, no, then God told Noah what the ark was for. Or, building an ark where you may not be needed after hundred years. It's like building a smartphone now, iPhone 5 or 6, and say, this phone now only come out hundred years' time. But then it will be obsolete. It will be passe, right? But that's how Noah would, would have felt. Or building it out for a flood that has never happened before, especially when there's no rain like Singapore. Now we're going through a drought, no rain. How can there be a flood in Singapore when there's not even a tiny drop of rain? That's how Noah felt. Or to build an ark when there are no instruction manual given. How do you build the ark? Or when the ark requires lots of tough, rough and hard work and with much blood, sweat and tears. But listen to what was said about Noah's commitment to the work of God. The Bible tells us here in Genesis 6.22, Noah did this, and read this with me together, ready? One, two, three. He did Genesis 7.5, and Noah, Genesis 7.9, as God had commanded Noah. Genesis 7 verse 16, Noah was 110% committed to the work of God in everything God tells him to do. Noah did it. That was how committed Noah was. That was how consecrated Noah was in the work that God has. My friends, I only know that there's one question God will ask all of us when we stand on that spot on the screen. 
And we stand before Jesus Christ as our master. He only asks us one question, regardless of how long he wants us to live on earth. And the one question God will ask every one of us this afternoon is, have we done all that God has commanded us? All that God wants you to do with your time, your treasure, and your talent, have you done everything that God has commanded you? You may be in a school, you may be in an army camp, and God is asking, have you done what I commanded you to do? You could be working, you could be a parent, you could be a grandparent today. God says, have you done all that I asked you to do? There's one thing all of us can do that God has commanded us to do, which is what? To share God's story in us with our friends. You know, every one of us has a unique story that is only yours and mine. And nobody can ever deny or doubt the story of God in your life. How God saved you, how God touched you, how God changed your life, how God loved you, how God blessed you, how God kept you, how God led you. That story is yours and yours to tell. Yesterday in church, I I was given a, a, a new book. And this book is called The Potter's Clay. It was a book a compilation of stories of a group of young adults like this group of people here, same age like me, uh, young adults here. And the cell group leader decided to put all the stories of all his group members together and put into a book like this. It's called The Potter's Clay. And so when I read the stories, I was very inspired. I said, wow, no matter how messy your life might be, God specialized in cleaning up the mess. No matter how dirty your life might be, God says, I'm there to clean up your life. No matter how dark your life might be, no matter how hopeless, how helpless your life might be, God says, I'm here. I specialize in the impossible. And so they asked me to write the forward to this book. Very easy, forward, just write the forward and the word. I get a forward. <laughs> and so the book was finally out and they handed me, I said, wow. It, and it's not even a church project, it's just a one cell group. And every one of them told a story. They told their life speaks of God's story in them. Today, that's a commitment that God calls for every one of us. I can't go to your school. I can't go to your army camp. I can't go to where you work. But God has sent you there for a purpose and reason so that your life could speak and share of God's story in you. And the question is for us today, have we done all that God commanded us to do? I'm going to end there. I'm going to end there. And uh, I want to just remind us what a 24-7 Christian is all about. It's all about a, a life that is consecrated to Him. And this life is anchored and rooted firstly in a calling that is directed by the work of God. God came, saved us, rescued us. But then He continues to mold our life in our character. And this character is developed and molded by what? By our daily walk with Him. Like the way Noah walked with God. And finally, it is marked and rooted by our commitment to God. Demonstrated in our work for Him. In whatever work that God assigned for us. So that this day, we say, Lord, here is my life. Like the words of the hymn, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. And this hymn was written by a, a, a lady herself. And uh, the story was told of her. And her name was Frances uh, Rally uh, Havergan. And she was a beautiful girl. And as she grew up, she discovered she, God has given her a beautiful voice. 
Her parents sent her for singing lessons, and soon her singing voice attracted people, and they invited her to sing and cut albums and write songs. And because of that, she became popular, she became rich, because every song she sang draws money. And then she recognized the voice didn't come from her, it came from God. So that's why she wrote the song, Take My Voice and Let Me Sing, Always Only For You. And then with the money that she got because of her album and her songs, she says, Lord, all my money belongs to you. And the story was told how when she was richly blessed by God, she gave her money to help missionaries do their work in the mission field. Today, we may not have a voice that she has. But God has given us time in our, life, in our hands. God has given us life in our soul. God has given us money and possessions. God has given us talents. And He's calling us today to say, would you allow me to take your life and use it for His glory so that we become a 24-7 Christian and disciple, a life consecrated to Him and for His glory. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as the rest of us, we bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to ask us to just close our eyes, bow our heads, because I believe the faithful preaching and the, pro the proclamation of God's Word demands a faithful response from our hearts. So that as Christians, we don't just hear a good sermon and then we walk out this place saying, okay, so what? I believe God wants us to respond to His Word today so that we do not end up as just hearers of God's Word but also doers of His Word. And so as the worship team comes and as we bow our heads, close our eyes, we bow our lives to the only one God who alone is worthy of all our lives. And this afternoon as you come to the house of God, you, you hear God speaking to you and say, Lord, I desire my life to make a difference for you. I desire my life simple as it may be, even dirty as it may be. Lord, I thank you for your work in my life that you have called me to yourself. I'm today a Christian. I'm today a disciple of Christ already. But as some of you today, as you come to the house of God, you are not a Christian yet. You've been brought by a friend, but deep down in your hearts, you know if something happens to you today, you do not know where you are going. Today, the Bible says you can be certain where you are going. You can, you can be certain what happens to you when you die. You will be with God forever, eternally, in a place that God calls heaven. And all you need to do is simply trust God, believe in God like Noah did. And the Bible says because Noah believed in God, he was righteous. Today God wants to count you righteous in His sight. And all you need to do is to trust Him, believe in Him and say, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Come change my life, Lord. Make me the man and woman you want to be. If this is your desire of your heart, no one looking around. And you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life for the very first time today. Then all I ask of you is simply raise your hands, put it down, so that I can pray for you this morning. Is there anyone 
you came on your own today or you've been brought by a friend or you may have even been to this church for many times but you've never made a personal decision for Jesus Christ into your life. Today, I want to give you that opportunity to just do that. And all you do is just raise up your hands, put it down. If you're interested, after the service, you can speak to me or any of the pastors here or the leaders here after the service. But I want to speak to the rest of us who are majority Christians today. God is here. He's here not because you are here. God is here not because I'm here. God is here because His Word has been proclaimed today. And God who is here today is calling us today to arise as His people, a 24-7 Christian, living lives totally consecrated to Him. And today says, Lord, enough. Enough is enough in my life. Lord, today I want to mean business with You in my life. Today I want to fully give my life to You. I want to not just sing and declare that You are worthy of all, but today I mean it with all my heart. My time is Yours, Lord. My life is Yours, Lord. My treasure is Yours. My talent is Yours. Today I will give all of my life to You. Whether you are young, you're not so young, it doesn't matter. God loves us the same. And today in the presence of God, you say, Lord, I want to consecrate my life to You. I want to give my life to You. I want to be walking with You all the days of my life. I want to pursue intimacy with Jesus. If this is your desire, your heart, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hands right now where you are and say, Lord, hear my Lord. Because I'm going to pray for you in a few moments. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whether you're in the army, whether you're a student, whether you're working, whether you're married or not, doesn't matter. God is calling you to Himself today. If this is your desire, I want you to lift up your hands high and say, Lord, pray for Lord, uh, hear my. I'm going to pray for you in a few moments. Thank you. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. I'm going to ask you to take a step of commitment to God right now today. I'm going to ask those of you who have raised your hand. I'm going to ask you as our heads are bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to stand for Jesus right now. Where you are, stand for Jesus right now. God is not ashamed of us. And today we want to come into God's presence. Stand up for Jesus and say, Lord, I'm here for you. I want my life to come for you. Because I want to be ready to face you, Lord. The question that you will ask me, Lord, have I done all that you commanded me? Lord, help me know what you call me to do today. Because I want to be ready for your coming, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In a few moments, I'm going to ask Jessica lead us in a song. And as we sing this song, I'm going to ask those of you who stand, I'm going to ask you to take one more step of commitment to God. That is where you are. I'm going to ask you to come up from your chairs and come right to the front where I am. Because in a few moments, I'm going to invite the pastors and elders to come and pray for you and seal the commitment that you are making to God today. Because you will remember for the rest of your life, on this day, 23rd February, you made a commitment to God. And so I'm going to ask Jess to start leading us in that song. And as we sing, I'm going to ask those who stand to come right to the front. Those of us who are seated, you stand where you are and join us in this song as we declare God, I will exhort you, you alone, you alone. Alright? Your presence, Lord. Come, those of you who stand, come right to the front right now. There's no shame, there's no embarrassment. I'm going to ask you to just come. Come and just kneel before God. Come and kneel before God. Because this is, this is consecration time. This is a time to give our lives to God. A time to give our, our time to Him. Your presence is 
Thank you, Lord. The rest of us, where you're sitting now, we invite you to stand, please. Thank you, Lord. Invite the pastors and the elders just come. Just pray for different ones who are here and they consecrate their lives to God. We invite the elders and deacons, Pastor Sally, to come and just pray. invite us to just lift up our hands to the Father who loves us, to the God who calls us to Himself. And the lifting of our hands is a simple expression of we laying every, everything that's in us, everything that we have to the Lord and say, Lord, hear my Lord, hear my Lord, consecrated for your use, Lord. So every one of you, just lift up your hands right now, whether you're standing in your chairs or whether you are here in the front, let's lift up our hands to the Father. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your presence with us. What a joy to be found in your presence. 
And as the song reminds us, Lord, your presence is all that we seek. The air we breathe, Lord. The song we need to sing. The love we ever need in our lives. And Father, we lift our hands as we lift our hearts and our lives to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us to yourself, Lord, because of your gracious work in our lives. This day, Father, we ask, continue to mold our lives and our character, Lord, by our walk with you, Lord. Help us walk faithfully with you every day of our lives, that we may stand blameless and righteous in your sight. Make us like Noah and Enoch's, Lord, in our days here in Singapore. And Father, above all, we know you saved us. You redeemed us for a reason that we may be committed to the work you call us. Reveal to us your heart and your purpose for our lives so that the work you give us to do will be 110% committed to the work so that in our, our lives here, we may look forward to the day when you, call, you come back again for us and that you call us, well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter into my presence. So Father, take our lives, let it be consecrated, Lord, to you, both now and forevermore, as we pray all this simply but believingly in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say together, Amen. Amen. Tend to five people around you, give them a high five, and say, may your life be consecrated, and tell them, see you at church camp in June. Alright, the Lord bless you.